IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Mark and I are very excited to be speaking with Adam Rundle today. So Adam, welcome. Glad to have you here. Kirsten, thank you so much for having me and thanks for having me on this podcast. It's a ton of fun to be here and yeah, excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking about leadership, values, how we run businesses. He is the owner of Clever Profits. He's a fractional CFO. We've agreed that we're going to have fun and talk about leadership and conscious leadership in particular and how that impacts our businesses and our life. Adam, we talked about this notion of IntelliKey, which is achieving your soul's highest potential. We talked about leadership and you're involved in some leadership training yourself and really elevating leaders where everybody matters. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's, I wish I could take the awards for coming up with that concept, but a gentleman by the name of Bob Chapman. Bob Chapman is the CEO of a big manufacturing firm called Barry Wiemeler, and he started the Chapman & Co. Leadership Institute. And he wrote a book called Everybody Matters with Raj Sathoda, who was also the co-author of Conscious Capitalism with John McKay, the founder of Whole Foods. Just talking about the title of the book, which I've got in front of me, was The Extraordinary Power of Caring for People Like Family. And, and what does that look like in a business? You know, if you can care for people in your business like family, you know, what can that do for your business? And then if you kind of run that alongside the thoughts of John McKay around conscious capitalism and how important leadership is and conscious leadership is in leading a business forward is pretty incredible. And so what happened with me is I was super fortunate in running my little in a corner of the world here, business of Clever Profit, which is an accounting firm, because I think that's what we do, to be introduced to a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Budden, who runs the Chapman Co. Leadership Institute office in South Africa, where I'm originally from, and then got connected to these offices in America and, and kind of the whole institute. And what we then did is we did a, a really fun journey starting in the beginning of this year with our entire business, doing some leadership development, personal development with them, them facilitating that, and then started a, a journey with a bunch of our clients. So we got 10 of our biggest clients to do a 12-month, lack of a better word, mastermind with them around leadership and around them trying to empower us to be better leaders. As you know, we're all CEOs and we're all trying to be leaders. And we're kind of what does that look like and what does that entail? And so that is why I'm so excited to be on this podcast because I don't want to talk about finance because I talk about money. 24-7 in my life with some right. fractional CFO. But what I've realized is no business will truly survive without people. You know, you can have the best business model in the world. You can have the best idea in the world. Unless you can get a group of people around to execute, you're probably not going to do very well. And so how do you do that? Well, then you've got to learn how to be a good leader. And you've got to learn how to care for people and lead people and you know, give direction, yet also be show empathy and, and all those wonderful traits. So all those aspects. Yeah. And you know, it's fascinating. So I myself have been a CFO for both public and private companies. People very rarely understand their strategy involved in being a CFO. It's not just putting the numbers into a spreadsheet, their strategy. And they we actually dictate a lot of policy and outcomes and direction and provide a lot of guidance. You know, if you don't have those, a deeper understanding of how to incorporate values from across the line, you can really have a huge impact on people's lives if you're simply driving an ROI. 
right? Or an outcome based off of strategy. So by implementing other aspects, this, this notion of IntelliKey leadership, where all aspects of our life matter from our health to our well-being to you, like you said, our families, that they actually matter, they mean something. It can have a huge impact on employees truly being involved to help evolve the company, right? Mm -hmm. Happy people have great outcomes. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing with your companies that are involved in this leadership training that you're going through? What's being uncovered, what's being discovered, and what's being implemented? Yeah. So just to go back one step, I say this to pretty much every client that I talk to is John McKay, when he, when he wrote Conscious Capitalism, I think he got to such a good point around balance. You know, Adam Smith kind of, people would say like the founder of capitalism, didn't have this notion of ROI. He had this notion of you know, you care for people, you care for your customer, you care for your clients, you care for those who work for you, care for society, and the byproduct is you will make money. That kind of shifted. 1970s, Milton Friedman wrote an article like, well, actually, the real thing about capitalism is, you know, shareholders earnings, like the shareholders are going to make as much money as possible. And so I think there was a clear shift to this world. And, and that's how I, mm -hmm. my education around accounting was kind of Milton Friedman that's cares right. about the Anybody world. Anybody who's grown up in capital markets, that exactly. is. Exactly, so who cares about anyone else? Like just make money, like bottom that's line, bottom right. line, bottom line. That's and right. Then, you know, things like Enron happen and, and not just them, tons of things like that happen. And I think, and just the nature of the world we live in, I think millennials are disruptors by nature. They just don't want to take anything for granted. And so there's like all these questions like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this actually what we want? It's like, who cares about anyone else's make money? What about actually caring for people? So then John McKay, he wrote, he says, it's, it's the balance. He says, because you can't run a business without money. It doesn't work. So there has to be a focus on the bottom line. It's just, that's just- Yeah, the you can't avoid game. it. Like, exactly. You can't avoid it. It's got to be there. But right. you've got to balance that with this conscious capitalism, conscious leadership around being a good leader and caring for people and building a good culture and environment. And you've got to get the balance right. And so what I find is as a job as a CFO is by nature, we kind of come with the Milton Friedman bottom line approach because that's our fundamental job. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're to boil down the role of a CFO is to make this thing financially viable. Right. You know, that's it. So right. bottom Absolutely. line is kind of win or lose, bottom line. That's like kind of our, our scorecard. And so we come with that. But why I think, and now to answer your question is, as I've more realized that that is just one part of a much bigger picture, where actually the real thing is leadership around caring for people and empathy and building a culture and impacting pe you know, people's lives positively. And when I say people, it's all people from clients to shareholders, to suppliers, to employees, to whatever it is, just care for everyone properly. That's where I've seen the big shift is like, okay, actually I can communicate this bottom line in a very different way. And what I've seen right. is the people who are doing this, the CEOs that are doing this is they're also receiving this in a very different way. They're not receiving a 20% profit or 10% profit margin as a failure. They're receiving it as just one of the multiple things they're looking at. And then they look at, but are people happy? Are we doing a good thing? Are we, That's right. are people That's rocking right. up inspired? Are, and, and all of a sudden, what would have been like, hey, we've got a 10% problem. It's the problem. We need to get back to 20%. Where that becomes this like overwhelming focus, what I've seen is that it's actually not anymore. 
it's right. okay, that's and important, it becomes but there are some other things. Outcome, right? Exactly. The, the 20% becomes the inevitable outcome because exactly. people are- And, and if you early. only focus on the 20, right. you're going to probably make some pretty horrible decisions. And, right. and so what I've seen is, and so to ultimately answer your question, because now I've gone like around five trees to get there, but is this slow realization from myself driven, you know, not driven by myself, just on my own expanding of knowledge and my, my own self-development. And then with clients is that, okay, when I have these conversations, it's not just about the numbers. Mm -hmm. It is about so much more. And what I've found is, you know, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people about this advisor role. Like, yes, by nature, our business is a CFO business. We, we have a lot of clients and we have a lot of account managers and they all rock up as CFOs. And what we've been saying internally is we need to shift that focus. We, we need to no longer be seen as CFOs. We need to be seen as advisors. And the reason why we want to make that shift is because when you, because of the connotation of a CFO is so bottom line, we want to say, okay, we can bring that, but we also want to bring the other part. And we want to help our clients see the other part. And so the journey that we're going on, and, and unfortunately our name is Clever Profits, which now in hindsight, it's like maybe we should never call ourselves clever profit. But anyway, <laughs> this is what it is, okay? And well, maybe, you know, maybe they are clever profit. Hey, hey, and maybe listen, they're clever. Maybe it's the right name, right? Maybe it is the right name. You know, we know. <laughs> maybe it is the right name. But it's it's our journey internally of saying we can do so much more than just run a PL, run a balance sheet, run a cash flow statement, sit down with the client and paint the picture. We can we have we can do so much more. And where we want to do more is in the conscious leadership in caring for people in that world of old school capitalism, Adam yeah, Smith of yeah. life, put and, people and, first. Man. And you're right. I, I mean, there has been a shift even in the role of a CFO over the last 10 years. The CFO was the person that provided the numbers. They did the modeling. They gave you output and potential outcomes based off of decisions. But, you know, the shift over the last 10 years is does the CFO have critical thinking? Mm -hmm. They became part of strategy discussions, right? Where they actually had to understand more of the company and more of an operating role, right? To your point, that advisory capacity, mm -hmm. understanding, and especially if you do any type of fundraising in capital markets, you have to know that business inside and out, right? So you are very proficient in how the company operates, period. You know, when you're drilling, numbers don't lie, right? Numbers tell the story, right? So if you're skilled at reading these numbers and adapt and you can train management to understand what they're really saying, not just in a plus or minus category, right? These numbers will show you these inefficiencies. They will show you where operations are failing and they can also help you drill in. There's usually a human problem oh, in there. Like there, there's a human equation. So if you can solve for that human equation, which is the anomaly, which hasn't been solved for, I mean, some of the Japanese companies are quite brilliant at it, mm -hmm. right? You can immediately begin to create operational efficiencies that aren't drawn necessarily through Six Sigma, right? I don't know the, that old mm -hmm. training that we yeah. all went through, that painful training that we all went through. And then all of a sudden you have these, what I call the potential quotient. This is where you have unlimited potential because you're tapping into somebody else's ability and you have a few minds coming together. Mm -hmm. So when you think of advisory, and I, I would say that's some clever profits right there, right? Like there's- <laughs> well, I mean, I, we, it, we, we now 
I think I think it does fit now, but that's that's because it's gone around a couple of trees to get there. But yeah. 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 Now tell me, how did you begin to have the shift yourself, right? Because it you think accounting, like I, to me, accounting and finance are different, right? So, but you you have a you have the accounting background, you have the finance background, and now you're having this self-awareness, you know, component within yourself. What caused that shift for you? Yeah, so it's an interesting story. It's, it's had it had probably absolutely nothing to do with business at all. It um, never does, does it? It never, it does, never yeah. does. So I'm South African, uh, born and raised in South Africa and, and now live in America. Um, my biggest passion in my life was to coach rugby. Uh, rugby's mm. a pretty big sport in South Africa. And that was my biggest passion. That's all I wanted to do is I wanted to become a rugby coach. And it's actually, I spent more time, efforts, resources and everything on becoming a rugby coach than I did becoming an accountant. I actually made a bunch of decisions around studying. I went to the University of Cape Town. I was coaching rugby there. I like purposely didn't do certain accounting avenues, like go work at the big four and all that kind of stuff because I just wanted to coach rugby. And in 2014, I, I was very fortunate. I, I went to New Zealand um, and I spent six weeks with arguably the, the most successful rugby team in the world. Um, which the, the New Zealand national rugby team, they're called the All Blacks, are without a doubt the most successful rugby team in the world, despite the fact that South Africa won the previous World Cup, so I can claim that. But <laughs> they are, without a doubt, in the last 20 years, the most successful rugby team. And there is a, a provincial team, like a like a district team, whatever language you want to use, in, in, a, in New Zealand called the Crusaders, who have been the most successful team in their competitions, which are both global and local, and have a ton of All Blacks are in this team. And I went and spent six weeks with them. And as coaching, learning how to coach, learning from, you know, some of literally the best rugby players in the world at the time, you know, then I was on the field with them, I was doing all that kind of stuff. And what I learned was that their culture, one, the New Zealand culture by nature is incredible. If you've ever learned anything about them, they are so people driven. Yeah, that, that is in my bucket list to retire. Okay, okay. so they, they're, they're very grounded people. They right. are very family orientated, very culturally orientated. There is like a homeliness to New Zealand people that I think is very unique. And then to go into this high performance competitive environment of the highest order of the the literally the best of the best in their field to realize that that was still the most important thing mm. beyond anything else was human connection relationships they say they have there's a book you've never read this book this is a book that i think every human being that wants to be a good leader should read it's called legacy and it's a book written about the all blacks it's their 15 leadership principles they use applied to business very easy to read, pretty bite-sized. And things like sweep the sheds. That's like one of them, sweep the sheds. Like the, right. the players would clean the locker room, not someone else. There wasn't no other person came, the players, like this is our locker room, this is our home. They cleaned it up. There's concepts like follow the spearhead and like just be a good human. They have the sprays, better people make better All Blacks. And it's pretty profound when, you know, I've come from this highly competitive sporting environment. South Africa's mad about rugby. I want to be the best very different culture in South Africa to arrive in this place and realize like, this is not really about the most talented or the most skillful or how hard they train. This is just about an environment of good people, an environment of care, an environment of like building quality human beings. Quality. And you know, it's fascinating because you're talking about this, what I, the IntelliGate, the human potential, 
right? The ability to maximize human potential. And I, I liken senior management executives to sports athletes, right? You really need endurance. You have a lot of hours that you have to put in your thinking. You have to be adaptable and agile, right? And so with the clients that I work with, I work with high-performing professionals. There is, you have to care for your body. You have to care for your mind. You have to care for your spirit and your soul. And if any of those are misaligned, you are not going to achieve peak performance. It's just not possible, yep. which includes resting, right? Which is counterintuitive for most American executives. Resting, you mean we're not tied in seven days a week, right? And that's is where we're finding all of the disease. So I love that you're speaking to this. And I love this notion of cleaning your own locker room, mm-hmm. right? We are There's, there's 15 of them. There's there's 15 yeah, little things. I'm buying that book. I'm in. Is, and they're and they really easy to read. And they just... I mean, they're pretty intuitive. There's nothing like astronomical about it. But when you see, right. and, it's, and and I think what I've also learned coming to America, where, you know, I'm an, I'm, I coach rugby at the United States Naval Academy. So I've mm-hmm. had the privilege of meeting some pretty incredible young men who are like, you know, going to go and sacrifice their lives for the country. And to, to realize like, it means the same thing there. Like mm-hmm. they talk the same language. This actually is one of their prescribed leadership books at the United States Naval Academy is, is Legacy. And they... It's the same thing. It doesn't matter what environment. Yeah. Leadership is about people. Right. It's, it's not about anything else. It's about people. So, so you put the people first. Put their needs first. Put that first. That's where you win. And so, and then, and then I want to say this. So, Chapman and Co. Leadership Institute. We did this little exercise with with Mike Button and his team. And everyone knows about this concept: working on your business or working in your business. Right. So everyone knows you want to work on your business as much as you can and less in your business. Okay, we all know. And they go further and they say, okay, so how do you work on your business? Well, then you've got to be working on your teams. Mm-hmm. So how do you work on your teams? You've got to be working on yourself. You, With cannot that be, you cannot work on your teams until you've worked on yourself or are working on yourself. And it's so it just shifted this focus of, oh, am I working in or on? To No, no, that's not good enough. On right. means working on your teams, which means working on yourself. Right. And it goes right back to what you just said about all the things that you just said. That's how you work on yourself. That's how you you get alignment. You can then work on your teams, which you can then work on your business and then you can move forward. That's right. It is an inside job first, right? Mm -hmm. So out of all of the principles you've been studying and learning, what would you say has had the most profound impact on you? yourself in what areas did it apply to? Cause if you're anything like me, like I might think I'm working on, you know, creating my next business. Right. But when I turn around, I see the impact on my children and my daughters, you know, everything mirrors back from the life that I love, right. My interaction with society. So what was your most impactful lesson to date? Um, it's a tough, that's actually a really good question. I don't know, I don't know if I can pinpoint it because I think I'm in the like I'm in the middle of my preseason or workouts here, and I don't really, really <laughs> kind of reach peak here. But um right. I think the well, I've come to quite a bit of self-realizations about where am I the best version of myself. Mm, um, right. and I think it's very different to where I where I would maybe say I was the best version of myself to I'm learning that I think I'm, I'm it's very those are two very different things where I would say as my leadership ability well growing up I was kind of a captain of a lot of sports teams and I then started a business and so 
I've kind of had this notion of leadership is in front. Yeah. Um, and if I'm going to be the leader, I've got to be in front. I've got to have the biggest voice, the most empowering voice. I've got to, although like really in front leadership. And what I've realized is I'm better not in front, actually. I'm actually probably better slightly behind for a number of reasons. I'm a, I'm, I don't know if you've ever studied Enneagrams or anything like that, but I'm an Enneagram 8, and so I'm an active controller. i pretty volatile. I can get like really like <laughs> fired up and going. Oh, I know you. I know you well. <laughs> so like I can like get going. And I think, I think to like, I think to lead from the front, I think people, I think a better, a, there are people that are, are better suited for that position than me because they are maybe more even killed. They have, you know, they, they're a little bit more stable, lack of a better word. They, they're not as volatile. Now, I think my volatility is one of my greatest strengths. It's how I get stuff done, but it, it, it can have a big weight, can affect a lot of people. And so I think putting me further behind, still in a role of impact, maybe working with someone who is more even killed, that's probably where I'm better suited. That's probably where my authentic self as a leader, my authentic ability to have impact is probably its most profound as opposed to being in the front. And so that's, I'm kind of learning this little, like I'm learning that and learning about who I am and seeing how I lead my, at home, like what kind of father am I am to my two kids and what kind of husband am I and learning that there are so many different ways to lead. Mm-hmm. And, and my notion has very much of being in front. Like if you're the leader, you're in front when mm-hmm. that's pretty limiting view of leadership. The leadership is multifaceted and everywhere. And maybe my role is a little bit different to that. You know, I, I love that you're speaking to that, right? Because, you know, part of my focus is cultivating leaders of the future, right? Really breeding something entirely different than we've seen to date. And you're right that the notion of leadership is who's the loudest, who's the biggest, who's the boldest, who's the bravest, who's going to jump off the cliff first, even if it's wrong, right? Like it doesn't matter if it's wrong, it matters that you did it, right? And here you are speaking to this idea that leadership can even take on a collaborative component, right? Mm -hmm. Really leveling up, you know, standing in your own strengths and bringing in other parties and partnering with people who have, you know, varying strengths. Like Mark and I, my co-host Mark, you know, he really, he has an incredible amount of brilliance and where we, we both are very similar to you and your Enneagram. We're both ENTJs and we laugh about it, Mm -hmm. but we also have very different styles. And yet we're finding that that really enhances each other rather than distract from it, right? He really does have a more dominant personality and I'm fully okay with that. I am quite type A, but he, he really can lead well. And I'm, I love that. Right. I'm like, okay, you drive the bus. That's why I'm like, where, where's my guy today? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so what are you finding? So I want to share this with you. This one of the, yeah. one of the, one of the things here is called pass the ball. And I don't know if you can read it there. It says, it says pass the ball. Yep. Leaders create leaders. Right. And so you were talking about, you know, inspiring other, what you're doing is to create future leaders. And that's one of their things is if you're a good leader, you'll create other good leaders. That's right. That's right. And there's also by that stepping back, what's fascinating about it 
is you're empowering other people to step into their authentic self, right? Like we don't have to be everywhere. It's just, it's counterintuitive. I am 52. So my generation didn't train for leadership to not be the forefront. We, you know, we didn't, we didn't train to step back and collaborate. We trained to be in a hierarchical position, right? And to be able to, who's going to outdo who? And if you're at the top, it's because you won a lot of fights, right? Like really (laughs) at the end of the day, you won a lot of fights. And it didn't mean they were the best and the brightest in class either. Just Mm -hmm. meant they were the toughest. So here you are speaking in, especially as an athlete, that's a whole different paradigm, very similar to a corporate environment, right? It's kind of doggy dog. Mm -hmm. So- how, how are you finding yourself? Do you have to navigate your own ego in that? Like go saying, you know, I'm going to step back here and I'm going to see how this works because it could be counterintuitive. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, you know, I, I don't think if anyone is a CEO of any reasonably successful business and success is subjective, so I'm not going to even put connotations around that, but, you know, anything successful, you are there has to be some ego. I think there has to be some level of like, hey, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna do this thing, kind of, you know, kind of screw everyone else. I'm gonna go and do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it, I'm fully aware of that. I think I do have a pretty big ego around like, I, I do want to be seen. I, I want to be liked. I want to be seen as the kind of guy who did it. Like, I like the fact that I get to write co-founder and CEO next to my name. Like, that's an egotistical thing. Like, I definitely have that part of me. Like, right. I'm gonna, shy away from that you wouldn't be where you are if you did yeah and and, and, try, and i'm saying that from a, i think from a healthy perspective exactly like, like a very conscious yeah. perspective of like and i'll be lying to myself if i said i wasn't i didn't have an ego like i think it's impossible for me not to but i think i've actually found it one because this is this was quite a while ago you know 2014 i think my upbringing predisposed me to this pretty heavily so when i learned what i learned in new zealand i didn't feel like i was punched in the face mm. it was like the, the the screen was just wiped clean mm. like I felt like I kind of always had I, I don't know if my life never not in some way or form maybe not fully or like conceptualizing it or with the words or anything realizing this world of it's not doggy dog world it is people I think I had some of that in me I, I really do and so I think it was so I think I embody it fairly well still be egotistical and still still the guy in the front but right. i think I, I embody it fairly well and so i think i've i personally haven't found it that challenging to quote unquote step back whatever that looks like not the right person to ask though you should probably ask the people that work with me <laughs> but um i find it i I've, i've found it fun to do i found it um i'm a coach by nature it's my biggest passion so mm-hmm. i get great enjoyment out of others succeeding it's i have for a long time i think i've grown to love that um and i think the uniqueness about business is it's not just others it's it's everyone can succeed mm-hmm. and so i'm pretty comfortable being like yep go succeed we'll go work. succeed yeah and that's the key if the all the members on your team are successful this goes back to what we were speaking to earlier if everybody is incentivized if everybody's lit up if everybody's excited then you have creativity you have passion you have a desire to want to win right and when that happens 
profits naturally occur because to your point, it's not about not having shareholder profits. It's about exceeding profits and ensuring everybody can win. Yeah, I completely agree. I am, yeah, I mean, people are everything. Like I said in the beginning, you can have any idea in the world, you can have any form, structure, whatever it is, but you mm -hmm. you have the people around you to execute. That's you know, right. Yeah, we hey. can have clever computers and clever innovation, but it all boils down to people. Just... It all boils down to people. And if people, and I love this notion that we're talking about finance because many people who don't know, don't understand being a CF CFO is highly creative. There yeah, is yeah. an incredibly creative component to it, right? Because you are the one who is mapping out the visual future for- And it, it also requires, you know, to do it effectively, it requires everything. It requires you know, you, everything. You've yes. got to know, you've got to know and see and understand, or not when I say understand, understand the big word, but at least conceptualize everything that's going on. I'm not going to advocate that I understand marketing or sales or, but right. I can conceptualize how it works and how it fits and where it goes. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I do. I, I think to be a, a CFO that has impact, I think creativity is pretty massive. Yeah. yeah it's important. And tell me, how do you see this creativity component moving through because as you mentioned you're stepping more into an advisory role rather than the accounting role right mm -hmm. which if you could teach your companies how to embrace this component of finance it could have a profound impact on them right understanding how the numbers are creative not everybody gets that notion right how do you impart that wisdom into as an advisor that's the shift moving from just giving the numbers into the advisor component and elevating their own leadership i mean i don't know if i've done a good job at that either i think you got to go ask <laughs> a bunch of clients whether i've done that but i think it's questions i think questions are the gateway how do you do that well you've got to authentically get to the client they've got to trust that i have my my words and my advice are advisory Mm -hmm. Okay, they got to trust that. They got to trust that, and then and from that they got to seek it and want it. And so, how do you create that platform? Is you got to get is an authentic, get to know. You got to know them. You got to relationally connect. It can't just be transactional. It's got to be something more. And then, how do you do that? I would say it's like it's questions. It comes down to, you know, the, the only way is you got to create a gateway. You got to you got to create a channel of communication that allows you to build all those things that I just mentioned to get to that point of trust. And I think it's just questions. And we actually went through this exercise where we, the theme of our business for the month was questions. And we only spoke about like, how can we ask better questions to each other, to other people? And so we had this whole thing. And I think questions are huge. I think the ability to ask good, meaningful questions that invoke thought, invoke parallel thinking, that invoke all those things, that's the gateway to getting, one, just getting to know any human being in the world, but then at that corporate level, at that kind of C-suite level, you got to ask a question. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, you mentioned that trust component. There's trust. And you, having been a captain of sports, you know better than anybody, your team, you need to trust each other. You need to trust each other that you're going to carry through for each other, that you're going to have each other's backs. You're going to go through the process together, pick up when somebody else can't do it, right? There's a whole component of building trust. Mm. How does that, how do you really can build trust in an environment? Well, I think that's a huge part of advisory. Yeah. I mean, I think this, you could probably, you could probably have 
25 hours of talking about this topic of trust. Consistency is a word that comes to mind with me. I think if you can remain consistent in everything you do, I think mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty big building block to people you know, wanting to trust something. I'm going to go a little bit left field from the trust piece, but just talk into that consistency. You know, expectations are a real thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, miscommunicated expectations are probably one of the, the biggest eroders of communication and trust and team building and all that kind of stuff. Because when one expects X and one expects Y, there's no communication about it. And then Z happens and both are feeling like they never got their outcome. And so like we say here often, like, hey, we, we have, we've created an expectation that by the seventh of every month, every single client of ours will have their monthly reports. Mm-hmm. So don't miss the expectation. Right. Just, just <laughs> deliver. Don't miss the expectation. Right? And, deliver. And you, Performance. And, and if you can't, you've got to go way out of your way to communicate such to create a new expectation. Mm-hmm. It can't be, oh, sorry, it's the eighth of the month. We're working on it. Because right. you your consistency is shot. You you're out of the window. You you it's too late. And mm-hmm. so tying that back, I'm I'm now going very little, but tying that back into I think that trust factors about consistency is just being consistent. Just rock up when you need to rock up. Do what you need to do. If you're consistent with your questions, if you're consistent with just being there, just being present, that I think goes a long, long way to building trust. And trust is, I think there's a difference between admiration and trust. There's a difference between- Oh, they're entirely you know, different. Yes, like, I would like agree. I, I can admire, you know, I can we can get a, a marketing consultant to come into our business and I can- fundamentally admire everything they say and, and, and believe everything they say and, and think it doesn't mean I trust the person. Right. Um, it doesn't mean what I, I don't agree with what they're saying. I just may not trust them. If you want to be an advisor, it's not about what you say. It's, it's, it's like, I think it's more what you do. Like you've got to, you've got to be there. You've got to be there constantly so that when you say something and when you say something that is left field or whatever, there is a space for it to be heard. That's because right. if you don't have that, then you're going to say the left field thing and the guy's going to be like, well, who's this idiot? Like, get him out the door. And so it's that. You don't have to always leave. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to always leave with the most profound thoughts. But I think if you're just there, you're asking good questions and you're there time and time again, I think that's, a, I would say that's probably the biggest problem. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Well, Adam, it has been a great conversation. Mark and I have thoroughly enjoyed Having you as our guest for your yeah, service. I mean, if you're looking for, I don't know what you'll be looking for, but you want to chat, you can chat. If you're looking <laughs> for financial help, we can help with that. Leadership help, we can point you in some directions. But um, and just want to get to know me. I mean, I'd love to get to know anyone. Facebook's normally the easiest. You know, everyone's on Facebook. Yeah. Cleverprofits.com, pretty simple. My name is Adam. So Adam at cleverprofits.com. You know, I have my email. You can, anyone can reach out and would love to chat more. And yeah, I think if I could say anything to anyone, this, these leadership journeys are fun. What I like about a journey, and we've, we've kind of used the word journey, is that it's not outcome-driven. Right. So there's, we don't have this utopia, like, you know, endpoint. We're just going, you know, we're just meandering our way through. And it's fun. It's a ton of fun. And, you know, some of the books that I mentioned, you know, Everybody Matters and Conscious Capitalism, Legacy is such an easy read and if, if you if you like sport at all you would love it and advocate to every american go and get to know a little bit more about rugby i think you'd really enjoy the sport but i'm not here i'm not here to advocate rugby but <laughs> i think it's just a fun journey and so yeah my final thoughts to everyone would be like one if you would love to connect great we'd love to connect with you in some way but 
start the journey. Begin the journey. You know, I've been saying for probably two years that I need to meditate more and I just I can't wrap my head around it, but it's on my list. Like I need to start that journey. I just need to start meditating more and see how that goes. And there's just endless, endless bucket of things that you'll just, that can come up and it's just fun. Yeah. It just continues to expand. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure, Adam. And this has been Adam Rundle with Clever Profits. And for Mark Stinson, this is Kirsten Gouldie. Thank you. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldie and Mark Stinson. Connect with us on LinkedIn. And for more information on courses and consulting, visit pureintellikey.com. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, unlocking your world of creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. Our podcasts are hosted on Captivate.fm and available anywhere in the world, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Ghana, and iHeartRadio.